One Week Season. OWS fam, welcome back to the Week 15 Reflection Podcast with me, your host, B. Fritz 12. We're here to debrief another crazy slate of NFL action and see how we can become better, more profitable DFS players together. So, you know the drill. Three sections, strat and chat. I'm just kind of chat about where I was at on the slate. Any tidbits, move on to fluke or fail, or we take a look at the top performers of the week and if we should have been on them or if they were simply fluky. And then we'll wrap it up with some lineup reviews. So go ahead, throw it on 1.5x speed and let's jump into it. All right. Well, another crazy week of NFL action. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is apparently just how I start the podcast these days. Uh, It really does feel kind of weird again. And, you know, we we knew this going into the week, so it's not a surprise. Uh, Yeah, just like straight up deja vu here because I'm going to just call out again how sharp JM's angles email was um so if you don't check that or the podcast out uh, any of the angles content i would highly suggest you do so it's just so critical to have that high level view of the slate and i know jm and the rest of the ows team kind of talks about the the slate and and does their content through the lens of the slate as a whole, which is one of the reasons why OWS content is so sharp. But I just think it's a great way to start the week um, and really create a foundation for, um, you know, your process and, and, you know, what you build on from there. So, yeah, with with that, um, a couple things here. So for me, I only played short slates this week. I... Just, I mean, I like short slates better. You guys know that by now if you've hung around for any amount of time, really. Uh, and so I just, I kind of want to take advantage of that in these last few weeks here where we have these Saturday slates. You know, you're going to get more casual action there. People just trying to uh, hang out and have fun watching the games during the, you know, holiday weekends and stuff like that. So, I'm really going to focus all of my play there. So I'm not going to have a ton of main slate stuff to talk about. I am going to any of that that we talk about is essentially going to be through the lens of uh, the fluke or fail segment and kind of looking at highest scores. And we're actually going to do something a little bit different in that section today as well. Um, So if you were coming for main slate stuff, Hang out until then because I think there will still be a little bit of goodness there. And then I am going to be doing main slate lineup reviews. So um, just wanted to note that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've i said it plenty of times before, but yeah, I really just think that uh, it's important to focus on the types of slates where you're the strongest. And for me, I've gotten to the point where not playing main slate or playing it very little is not that weird anymore. Um, But I know for many, it still feels strange. Like that should be the absolute focus of your play. And then kind of the rest of the stuff is just on the fringes. And as always, I just would like to urge you to know who you are as a player and know where you are sharpest, where you have the greatest edge, the way that you see things and if you are struggling with main slate uh, or if that just really truly isn't where you are the sharpest and it doesn't play to your strengths, don't force it. Go other places, play some of these small slates, uh, 
you know the the same the same old thing. I'm, me and Jam say this stuff um, just <laughs> ad nauseum uh, in terms of playing showdowns and flash drafts and all the things. Um, but just yeah, felt the need to mention that, especially now with these Saturday <clears throat> slates and stuff. So so yeah, so that was my approach. Um, Basically, I'll just real quick high level. I'm not going to line up review, but high level, my uh, thoughts on those were essentially where I was going on Saturday was uh, playing. I, I, I liked the Colts Vikings game. And well, if you look at the score, it feels like it, that would have played out nicely essentially just played it all wrong um, in terms of I like Matt Ryan was my main roster and then played a bunch of Pittman, um, played some Paris Campbell and then played a good amount of Jonathan Taylor, kind of mixed him in and out of those rosters too. Um, but the idea was that the that Minnesota would play a decent game and be able to uh, score some points just by kind of like solid balanced offense. And then uh, the Colts would have a relatively easy time playing back at them um, through the air because Minnesota has just really been pretty meh um, through the air. And while Ryan's not exciting, given his price and kind of how that opened up stuff, I really liked uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say I really liked that, but I did like how that set up. And yeah, essentially, obviously, uh, it just played out completely differently with the Colts getting out to the lead right away. And basically, I knew that my, you know, the couple rosters that I had built with those different mixing and matching, as I mentioned, uh, were shot because of, um, you know, them getting out to, to an early lead was essentially the worst thing that could have happened because they weren't going to need to press and then even... To, to even just like make that worse, uh, Jonathan Taylor got injured. And so um, even like the uh, I'll talk about it in a second, but uh, other lineups or lineups where I stacked him where, yeah, where I had him, um, those were pretty much done to, you know, paying up for him. And um, so, yeah, so just a, a complete mess in terms of uh how I played it, but from from a game environment standpoint, obviously that was pretty sharp. And then, yeah, I liked I, my favorite skinny stack of the slate was Jalen Waddle and Gabe Davis because I didn't, I wasn't like super high on that game as a whole, at least with uh, like from a uh, price considered standpoint. So I didn't really feel the need to stack it, but I did really, really like those guys because they were going pretty overlooked for their ceilings. And they just, you know, it was just a nice, um, really nice pairing there. So uh, Waddle hit, obviously, probably could even been a little better. Um, but yeah, I, I, well, I guess I shouldn't necessarily say that because that, that touchdown was... Um, not fluky, but it was a good chunk of his points, obviously. So, so yeah, so that's what I liked. Uh, that was kind of like my main, <clears throat> the bet that I was placing. And then I did also build a kind of went back to the well with Deshaun Watson and will probably do so for the rest of the year, um, in, uh, like larger fields, smaller dollar amount, not something that I am like really bullish on more. So just betting that at some point he has a decent game and the field's not playing him, but <laughs> maybe we'll see, uh, because, you know, it doesn't seem to have gone so well thus far, but yeah, the idea there was Deshaun Watson and then, uh, I I thought Amari was one of the best plays on that slate, honestly, price considered, because um, I figured they're going to have to throw. And yeah, I wanted either one of DPJ or David Njoku on that roster. Um, 
And yeah, with that, you know, essentially that was just not how that game was most likely to play out. Um, we saw what the most likely outcome was, which was a a black and blue, uh, low scoring slugfest type of game. And yeah, so that was the most likely. But I was building for uh, what if the, the game went the other way, because they do have two capable offenses, um, even if they are a bit hobbled and um, not as exciting uh, or, or firepower ish as as of late. Um, so yeah, so that was essentially my Saturday slate. Uh, just about nothing doing there. Moving on to Sunday, uh, my afternoon slate. I'll actually go through uh, my main lineup here because, yeah, I think it's just probably a little interesting to see what I was thinking through here. And let me tell you, uh, I just feel like I had, and again, I, I feel like I've really kind of been struggling with these last two or three weeks figuring out, like, like I just didn't get to a point where I felt really, really good about things. And, you know, there's a difference between feeling really good about something and then, you know, taking a loss on that and the uh, kind of the other way of like not feeling really great about something and taking the loss on that. <laughs> like there's just less emotion there because you're just like, oh, OK, like, yeah, I didn't really feel great about that in the first place. Um, so. So, yeah, I've played a little bit less recently because, uh, you know, like from a, an investment standpoint, because. It just I, like there was no point where I felt super good about my roster, which is something that I pretty much always feel like I can do after a decent amount of process. Um, sometimes, yeah, I talked about this a few weeks back. Sometimes it comes together right away and I like literally don't feel like I need to do anything else, maybe a little bit just for kind of a due diligence sake and make sure I'm not missing anything Um but other times, you know, it takes a bit of time, but eventually I can kind of come out on the other side and feel good about it this week. And like, it just was not the case, <laughs> um, which again is why I, I only played short slates because I just uh, it, it like, like I said, plays more to my strengths. Plus there was no there was just no way I was going to build something that I felt super strongly about for main slate. But for the afternoon games, and like I said, if you didn't play afternoon slate or you don't play short slates, uh, that's okay. I think just taking a, a look at or listen to what I built out here um, should still be an interesting study, at least for both of us. <laughs> uh, all right. So the roster is, by the way, this is in a like a thousand person field. Uh, I think, it was, yeah, it's a fair catch. So 12 bucks. Uh, we got uh, 297th place. So I was a little bit out of the money, basically like almost 30th percentile here. Um, so lineup was Joe Burrow, Derek Henry, Marlon Mack, Mike Evans, Nelson Aguilar, Mike Williams, Greg Dolchich, Jamar Chase, Patriots defense. Okay, so Mr. Burrow paired with Jamar Chase, bringing it back with Mike Evans. So I really didn't even love, love this game. This had the feeling to me of the Bengals-Chiefs game that was... Uh, you know, 27-24 type of game. So I didn't even love this spot, but with the afternoon games, what they were, um, I didn't really feel great about anything. I thought, you know, Jay Hammond kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, like what if Tennessee's defense can just take it to the Chargers who really have uh, been playing well under perception you know, um, 
Herbert has been slinging the rock, but he just doesn't have much to show for it from a ceiling game, uh, especially for the volume that he's had. And so, yes, he probably was going to be doing so in this spot, but I just it didn't feel it felt like a spot that could definitely fail relative to perception. So I went with, like I said, Burrow, Jamar and Mike Evans as my main stack, basically because in Jamar Chase and Mike Evans, those were two guys to me that could hit 30 plus point upside and Evans being lower price than Godwin, who was probably going to be higher owned, was just where, you know, that's the type of play that I want to make. Even if Godwin is the better play on paper, I'm still going to make that bet much more often than not, especially when it comes to receiver. Um, Take the guy who has a, you know, arguably higher ceiling, who is lower owned and lower priced. So, I felt pretty good about that. And then you can see here that I have a secondary stack of Derrick Henry and Mike Williams. Kind of the same line of thinking here in that these guys both have 30-point ceilings. Um, You know, Mike Williams pretty much always goes kind of underlooked or underowned because he's seen as volatile, which he really hasn't been as much in this offense in the past season, season and a half. So always like pulling the trigger on him when I can. He was basically the same exact situation as Evans and Godwin. Um, So with Keenan there, I felt good about choosing the higher ceiling of Mike Williams and the likely lower ownership and lower price. So right there, I felt pretty decent about those plays because like I said to me all of those guys have very clear ceilings and on this slate maybe eh, in terms of like actual paths to upside um, because like I said I just didn't feel like the spots set up great for it but um, when it comes to kind of what we were dealt here I felt pretty good about that so how did I make that happen because the rest of the plays are slotted in with cheap guys uh, with some crazy names here <laughs> um, in one of them being Marlon Mack who was my second running back now this feels a little off the wall right we got Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack in that backfield uh I promise you I wasn't chasing here. Um, It actually, you know, because he was the one who scored a long touchdown last week. But I just felt that for this backfield to probably be, you know, at least like 60% Latavius Murray's. I just thought that there was still a decent chance for for Mac to at least fall into the end zone and get a handful of the work in the backfield otherwise. He showed that he's a capable back in the past. So I didn't think that this touchdown last week, uh, while I wasn't expecting that again necessarily, I didn't really think it was like completely fluky either. So he actually ended up paying off his salary nicely. So he was 4,400. He did get a touchdown. He had four receptions, which probably got a little lucky there. Um, But that ended up working out for 16.3 points. And then Nelson Aguilar, I think uh, it was talked about on the site in terms of these cheap New England receivers. You know, none of these guys had like a super high floor, right? But they were a pretty solid play given the state of the slate and the state of um, the Patriots offense. Now, were they going to have to pass a lot in this spot? Probably not. Between their run game and their defense, they were probably going to handle the Raiders just fine. And they pretty much did until they absolutely blew it at the end there. I mean, wow, what a play. Watching Mac Jones get stuffed into the turf like that was uh, entertaining, to say the least. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's one of those plays. And I think this is important to mention because it's easy to be like, oh, was this stupid? Why did I play this guy? I really don't feel that badly 
about this play. He's had a couple games where he's had a handful of targets when Jacoby Myers isn't playing. Obviously, uh, Jacoby did, so that was a little bit different and changed things up here, but um, I really don't think that was... uh, I'm not upset about that, I should say. Uh, Dolchich was my tight end here. Yeah, you know, essentially this was... uh, This is my, like, least correlated play, basically. Uh, Pretty much just threw him in there because of the price versus the quote-unquote upside. I'm going to put that in air quotes because, I mean... What kind of upside does he really have? But he has been been being used in this offense. He is athletic. Arizona does suck against tight ends. So all things considered, I didn't hate it. Uh, but between him and Aguilar, got me a whopping 3.4 points. Uh, and then finally, Patriots defense. I just felt that they were, yeah, uh, like just very mispriced in this spot. So you know, I was going to take them uh, at that price point and um, not play the um, either like Denver or Cardinals defenses there. All right. So that was the lineup. Like I said, I don't hate it. Didn't work out. Finished just outside cashing. Um, not a great weekend. Not short slate success. <laughs> um, but I want to kind of transition into slowly here into our fluke or fail segment by going back to just this being a weird weekend and being actually kind of difficult to build like heavily correlated lineups. And so, you know, what when we talk about this, we are talking about making a few bets two, three, four bets, two, two is, I guess, not really realistic, but like three or four bets on a roster as opposed to picking nine different pieces. I think this weekend was a bit trickier to do that because when we're doing that, um, price doesn't matter as much, but I thought there were areas this week where uh, it kind of made sense to or you could justify doing something slightly less correlated than usual just because of um, there not being these really obvious game environments. So with that, let's move into fluke or fail. Now, this segment, we take a look at the highest scoring guys on DraftKings, specifically those in the 30 plus point range. Now, I'm going to do this part relatively quickly because then I actually want to take us position by position and look at the top couple guys there just to slice and dice this in a little bit different way and have a slightly different lens on who are the top performers this week and could we have seen this coming and how or why. All right, to start us off here, we've got who else but Mr. Jalen Hurts. 39.7. Hurts has just continued to rack up great games. Uh, this week on three rushing touchdowns. So he did end up throwing for over 300 yards, although no passes into the end zone. Did throw two picks as well. Uh, But yeah, three touchdowns on the ground, 61 yards. That's just, you know, for a quarterback, obviously is nutso. Against the Bears here feels maybe a little bit weird because we weren't expecting him to have to throw a ton um, but the that game stayed slightly close. And so, yeah, and just kind of an interesting um, setup there. Obviously, Hertz had that long touchdown pass, or excuse me, that long pass to A.J. Brown, which then led to his, tu- his rushing touchdown. Um, but at this point, yeah, Hertz is going to be able to do that on any given week, especially against a defense that isn't so great or in a game environment where he's going to be pushed. Uh, next up is Zay Jones, 37.9. 
uh, on the back of three touchdowns for him as well. Uh, Yeah, I mean, wow. Zay has just really done quite the job here in Jacksonville, and this shouldn't be too, too surprising coming out of this game environment and just based on his role in this offense He's had a solid one and has had spiked weeks like this. So not too crazy here. Uh, next, let's pass over some guys that were on different slates. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 35.74. He was able to go over 300 yards passing. He got one in the end zone on the ground. Um, yeah, Never really too surprising from him. Maybe only slightly surprising here is the fact that they were playing Houston and weren't expected to really need to throw a ton um, because, you know, we didn't expect Houston to be able to keep up and because they're, you know, just such a heavy run funnel defense. Uh, But (laughs) this just goes to show you that crazy things do happen in terms of game environments and Patrick Mahomes always has 30 plus point upside. Jarek McKinnon follows him right up with a 34.2, much to the dismay of, uh, it seems like many of us. I noticed some talk about this in the reflection thread, people just trying to kind of figure out if they should have been on McKinnon a little bit more. It seems like Pacheco was relatively popular and we know all the reasons why he is their ground and pound guy. Uh, Again, in this spot uh, didn't really play out the way we were expecting to in terms of the game environment with it being competitive. Um, But at the same token, I I think we probably overlooked McKinnon just a bit. Uh, Myself definitely included here um, because I played a little bit Pacheco. I think I had had him in one spot on this slate. But this is still a split backfield and in a game if we were expecting there to be a lot of run game that his share of that would probably go up therefore he still had uh you know he's got a role in an offense that scores points so i think there's you know ways to look at it from both sides but Yeah, props to him on another 30-plus point performance. Trevor Lawrence at 31.82. Yeah, again, game environment. Clearly a nice pairing with Zay Jones there. If he did that, you probably got some dollars in your account. Uh, Yeah, I don't think there's really too much to explain there. Over 300, four touchdowns in a good game environment. One of the best on the weekend. AJ Brown is our last 30 point guy on the main slate here with a 30.1. All of that came on a whopping 108, I almost said 18, 181 receiving yards, nine catches on 16 targets. Yep. I mean, these Eagles guys just have such high ceilings. You know, we've talked about Miles Sanders. I know this was also a discussion that uh, y'all were having is uh, Miles Sanders and him, you know, maybe being higher owned than we thought, uh, maybe just feeling too strongly about him. But got to remember that when Hertz runs in three touchdowns, kind of hard for Sanders to get his. Um, but anyways, a, a little bit of a, of a rabbit hole there. But yeah, basically, Eagles guys have high ceilings. All right, that was it for our 30 plus point for performers. But let's take a look here from a position by position standpoint to see what the top couple highest scores are. I think I'll use three ish. Um, but let's see, let's see what we got. Okay. So I am still going to keep this to main slate because we do have some high performers. For example, Josh Allen and Kirk cousins were one in three in the quarterbacks. Uh, but we will keep this to, um, just the main slate. So you've got Jalen hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, uh, because I might go to 25 plus for this positional breakdown. 
Joe Burrow here was the only other one over 25. So, you know, when you look at that, you have four guys in Hertz, Mahomes, Lawrence, and Burrow who all have high ceilings, right? You know that they have the tools to get there. Now, two of them, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, were in, you know, what we could bucket as good game environments, whereas Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, eh, not so much. We were worried that they wouldn't be as competitive and therefore they may not be as needed in those games. Uh, They both ended up being more competitive than expected, which is probably what vaulted them into that range of um, being these top scoring guys. So just kind of interesting to look there. Moving on to running backs, Jarek McKinnon, obviously Derek Henry with a 29.3. Derek Henry, um, not surprising for him being the second highest scoring running back, but honestly, a little surprising that he wasn't an easy number one on this slate. Uh, Just with the spot he was in, he only just broke 100 yards with 104. He only had 21 rushing attempts and he only had one touchdown. All things that I would have bet the over on, basically. This just set up as a 30 carry, 150 yard, two touchdown game for him. Like in the most likely scenario, even JM mentioned this weekend that this was kind of a rare spot where he would pull the trigger on Derrick Henry. Just his ceiling here, at 30 plus points uh, compared to all of the other guys on this slate, especially the running back position. It just kind of made sense and surprising that he did finish under that, albeit just. Who else we got here? Ramon J. Stevenson. Yeah, again, another obvious one, 27.8 points. He just, you know, such a uh, you know, he's game script independent, such a solid role in that offense, like in a pretty cake matchup. So, yeah, n- n- I mean, n- nothing really to um, <laughs> analyze further than that here. Although what is interesting is that he got there on 172 rushing yards and had negative four yards receiving on two catches, which is not what we've been accustomed to seeing out of him. The final surprising uh, 25-plus point score here is Tyler Algier uh, with 17 rushes, 139 yards, a touchdown, and a catch for negative three. Yeah, this is one of those ones that does feel a little bit fluky, just kind of an out of nowhere. There's nothing really pointing to this. Every week we're going to have something kind of like that, Um, but that was the other one in this spot. All right, receivers, we got Mr. Zay Jones, as we talked about, A.J. Brown, as we talked about. And then if we're going 25 plus, Russell Gage was the only other one. Uh, So this obviously coming out of one of the best game environments on the slate, 12 targets, only 59 yards, but eight catches and two touchdowns. So Gage was, you know, going to have a couple games this season that were pretty solid in this offense. He's been injured a bunch and, uh, you know, to this point, Evans and Godwin have still been the go-to guys. So not overly surprising here, but one of those guys that um, was, you know, just being looked at a little bit less, but to see, you know, his price of 3,500, it does, it is one of those plays that in hindsight, it's kind of like, oh, why was I not even considering him? Um, Because low-priced, low-owned receivers on high-scoring teams in good game environments are always going to be good tournament plays. Whether they uh, actually play out or not, that's, you know, uh, to be seen and kind of regardless, but um, always good plays. So that was one of those on this particular slate. All right, tight ends. George Kittle was the top scoring guy who was not on the slate. Uh, Travis Kelsey, 23.5. Shouldn't really be too much of a surprise there. We just had nothing to work with on this slate. He had 10 catches for just over 100 yards. So yeah, 23 points with no touchdown. Uh, We'll stay... uh, I was going to say we'll stay 20 plus, but oh yeah, we've got Juwan Johnson here. 
Two touchdowns for him as well. Obviously, tight ends here usually outside of Travis Kelsey are going to come from touchdowns. And yeah, below that, we've got, you know, under 20 points, CJ, Uzoma, Evan Engram, and the list goes on there. So just not uh, not a ton to love here. And that's kind of how it ended up playing out. Finally, team defense. All right. We've got, oh, I've got a bunch of not main slate stuff. Uh, we've got Lions, 13 points against the Jets. Shouldn't really be too surprising against Zach Wilson. The Lions defense is pretty legit all of a sudden. Uh, and then we've got Jaguars defense with 12 points. That one obviously came right at the end of the game. Raiders, same thing, 11 points. I mean, how about those? games just amazing amazing endings uh patriots d with 11 points i think that was just by far the most solid kind of obvious point per dollar play on the slate and then both cardinals and broncos had 11 and 10 points respectively which again both solid plays there as well so anyways just a look at uh, this from a positional standpoint, I think, especially on a weird week, can be just a little bit more insightful than ending your week and being like, well, like what even happened? Who even, you know, what types of players or lineups are winning here? Um, so just another way to look at that, I would suggest doing that yourself or coming here to listen to it. Alrighty, fluke or fail done, let's check out some lineup reviews. Alrighty, two lineups here today. We've got first one, CM Rattler. CM Rattler had a score of 140.4 and asked for a little bit of feedback in the reflection channel, which there was a decent amount of when, by the way, I mentioned it last week, but uh, there has just been an influx of uh, just chat in there and uh, chat is just not a good word for it because it's so uh, it's been you guys are just so sharp in your analysis and I've just been impressed at uh, the the quality of reflections that I've seen in there. And it's really come a long way from last year. So uh, big props to all of you that are in there. For those of you that aren't yet, I would highly suggest checking it out. Even if you're in there and are just kind of uh, a wallflower, um, I would definitely encourage you to try posting your own because there's something to be said for actually writing it out uh, that really, really helps you process it and think through it and solidify it for yourself. So yeah, just, you know, shout out to everybody in Discord, in the Reflection channel. Um, yeah, just great, great stuff. Uh, but yeah, so getting back to Sam Rattler's lineup here there was a some feedback and uh, a little bit of, of kind of like uh, tough love on this which is always great when we're trying to get better but I did want to point out some things because I thought that this was a pretty solid lineup overall so what was the lineup we've got Jalen Hurts Derrick Henry Miles Sanders Mike Williams Tyler Boyd Philip Dorsett, we got Okonkwo, Godwin, and Patriots defense. All right. So, kind of obvious one to start here is Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. So, yes, there is no immediate correlation with a receiver here. No, no quarterback receiver stack. Um, so, basically just assuming that most of this comes on the ground and or I would add that you didn't want to pick a receiver. <laughs> and <clears throat> I think there are times when that is fair, um, especially when you have a running back 
a running quarterback, excuse me, like Jalen Hurts. And when like there's really usually no week where we can tell it's going to be uh, an A.J. Brown week or a Devontae Smith week. It's just kind of, uh, uh, you know, flip a coin. And if you don't like the prices on these guys or feel like there are guys in other spots that are make a little bit more sense, I think that is still viable. And I kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier in the pod here that this was one of those weeks where those types of decisions, I think, were a little bit more justifiable than on a normal week. So while looking at this, you know, somebody might say, yeah, but there's no, you know, how are you going to play that quarterback without a one of his receivers? Um, I think those are some reasons why. I also think this is like especially viable in smaller fields. Um, which I don't know the exact field size, but uh, this got 25th place for $0. So obviously a small field. Um, So it wouldn't be quite as justifiable if this were played in a large field, but I think it's still somewhat viable uh, in this size. Uh, What do we got besides that? So Derek Henry and Chiggs Okonkwo, were on or excuse me in a a stack with mike williams yeah so the the main criticism here was not playing henry and chiggs together now i think that there is something to say for that especially because they're both probably going to be relatively popular um but i think that in this offense that again, is justifiable in a small field because you're essentially taking this block saying they don't have other skill guys outside of these two, and it makes sense for the vast majority of points to come through with them. Now, could there have been other ways you played this? Uh, There was uh, a good comment on uh, Otten making some sense and that being kind of a different uh, leverage type play. And so I think there were other options there, but I also don't think it was that crazy. I think sometimes we can go over the top with they can't both have a good game in this spot. Now, that would require the Chargers to probably put on a decent amount of pressure here. And so, you know, I think if anything, the argument would be, um, you know, only Mike Williams here and not two of the receivers or whatever. But I think the way that pricing worked out and stuff, and if you're looking at these two guys as a block against this pretty rough Chargers defense, it makes sense to me. Then we've got Tyler Boyd and, <clears throat> excuse me, Chris Godwin. So yeah, I think this is a pretty interesting stack as well. Because you've got Godwin, who um, was probably going to be a little bit more popular, and then Boyd, who was going to be relatively overlooked. Actually, Godwin in this contest was 8% owned. Um, but so you've got these you know, two receivers that make sense together. Again, on these offenses, uh, it feels like we're kind of just choosing um, well, I shouldn't say that necessarily for the Bucks because Godwin and Evans are, you know, the guys. Tyler Boyd is kind of the uh, the a little bit more off the wall play here, but not really because Boyd has, you know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I played him. Um, he has a role in this offense. He performs better with Chase in the lineup and. Uh, he actually had you know decent score here, nothing crazy, but got a 14.5 and gets you off of um, Jamar Chase and and kind of the the popular play there. So and then we've got Philip Dorsett, who you know really was pretty much the slot in cheap guy here, uh, and then the Patriots defense. So so yeah, I mean I think really there were kind of three bets. Three correlations uh, here that there are three or four they were making, and the other ones just kind of slotting in um, guys that 
could let you get this lineup and that made some amount of sense there weren't you know they definitely weren't random so i actually feel like this is a pretty solid single entry small field lineup better look next time in terms of results cm rattler all right second lineup is joseph hood on DraftKings, 110,000th place with an 11, 111.72. Uh, the specific question to me on this lineup was about the running backs. So let's take a look at what this lineup entailed. Justin Herbert, Leonard Fournette, Rashad White, Jamar Chase, Mike Williams, Nelson Aguilar, Oconquo, Derrick Henry, Patriots D. Alrighty. So let's real quick take a look at the high level stack and then we'll get to this running back question. So Justin Herbert, Mike Williams coming back with Henry and Oconquo. So same situation here, except we've got Herbert at quarterback instead of um, just Williams, Oconquo, and Henry. So yeah, the analysis there is pretty much the same. I think the one critique here would be if Herbert is going to be the top quarterback on the slate, then it probably makes sense that he's bringing two guys with him if he's really, really going to be the top quarterback on the slate. Uh, Mike Williams obviously has the capability to go for 150 and two and really be the only guy on that offense that is the highest scoring. So I don't think that's wrong by any means, Um, but just a a thought there. And then, yeah, same commentary about Aconquo and Henry. Uh, It definitely makes a little bit more sense or is more justifiable in this lineup when uh, you've got Herbert at the quarterback there thinking that this game is going to be a little bit more back and forth. Then the question at running back was Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, who combined for 16.7 points here. So just pain, right? Just, just ouch. Um, But I actually, so the question was like, is it viable or did I make a mistake playing the two of these guys in the same lineup? And What's funny is that I actually kind of thought about this for a minute, given their price and given how they're splitting work. um, If this game did, you know, did indeed end up going back and forth, both of them would probably have like a decent workload and at their prices, not so bad. Um, So, so yeah, I think really, uh, I think solid for smaller fields i think once you get into you know this is obviously a very large field with hundreds of thousands of entries in this case i don't think it's that viable because for both of these guys to go for 20 to 25 points is pretty unlikely Um, and i know you mentioned in your message that you thought they had a path to 40 plus Uh, I just don't really see that in this offense. Um, You know, they do use their receivers a bunch, even if Brady is throwing 45 times. Um, You know, Cincinnati is has been pretty solid defensively. And so, you know, if it were a really crappy defense, then maybe. Um, But really, I mean, the biggest thing here is just playing both running backs in a uh, a field this large is going to be really hard to come by because th- even if they are cheap, you're still going to have to have solid price considered scores. So 25 ish or so out of them, um, you know, 2025 20, just feels like a bit of a reach and probably um, could be more plus EV to go elsewhere. Jamar Chase was the bring back there um, that uh, in that game environment. And then Nelson Aguilar and Patriots D were the other two, uh, just kind of remaining spots there. Aguilar, obviously the cheap receiver in a spot where he could have a role as I've talked about on my lineup and then Patriots D as apparently we all played. So what I think is interesting also 
is unintentionally um, these two lineups along with the lineup that I shared, even though it was afternoon only, had some similarities in how we were approaching it. And so I think that uh, we all lost, (laughs) by the way, Um, but I think that is kind of helpful in illustrating the fact that here at LWS, there is a pretty consistent way of thinking about things. And while we all built our rosters a little bit differently, uh, they were with the same kind of building blocks. So I think that alone should be hopeful to any of you at LWS, especially if you've had uh, kind of a rough season or a rough few weeks as I have. It's been a brutal last few weeks for me. Um, and just know that even if you know your lineup did have some holes in it uh, or it didn't get there in terms of results, that you're doing the right thing. Keep coming back to the Reflection channel. Keep coming back to the Reflection pod. Um, keep putting the work in on your own process and your own reflection because you're doing the right stuff and you will get there eventually. With that, actually, because I mentioned uh, coming back to the Reflection podcast, you may not have a chance to do that this year. Um, This podcast usually runs through the end of the year. So we were, uh, excuse me, the end of the regular season. So we were coming up on the end of that. However, I believe I am going to probably make this my last pod for the year. Uh, My wife is due this week. And being our first child, we've kind of got a lot going on. So between getting ready for that and focusing on that and then um, just, you know, work and all this other stuff getting ready, um, I think I'm going to probably take take my leave here. So uh, if that is indeed the case, I just wanted to say thank you for letting me uh, share with you because, yeah, like I said, you know, this reflection pod is always a space where we become better, more profitable DFS players together. Uh, It's not me teaching you as much as just uh, processing together and hoping that we can both learn. So, uh, yeah, just please know that I am very grateful for being able to share this space with you. And it's been a fun season, uh, even if it wasn't profitable because it wasn't for me. (laughs) Um, Still got a few weeks left. Only takes one. Um, But just know, like I said, if you have had kind of a season like I've had with um, some ups and some downs and probably more downs than ups, um, that if you do keep coming back, uh, you, you will hit yours eventually. But thank you again. It's been fun. And uh, I will see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend or sometime in the future. <laughs>